Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. from the book of Matthew chapter 5 in verse 21. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5 in verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, It's a whole lot of fancy talk for Jesus took a boat from one side to the other. Much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come. And lay hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And when, and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. Skipping down to verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, that's Jairus' house, Certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. It it was a bit of a thought process coming up with a title for today. It took a little bit of thought, deciding what to call today's sermon. A title should sum up everything you preach, but it also needs to relay the tone of it. So I thought, the conclusion has not come. It's accurate, but it kind of lacks feeling. So I thought, it is not finished. Too blah. Maybe shorten a little bit. It isn't finished. It's a little better. More natural feeling. But not quite right. So I thought, well, it's not ended. No, that's not it. It's the wrong way. It's getting colder. Warmer, warmer, colder, colder. No, uh, maybe it's not over. It's almost. It's, that's, that's almost there, but it still lacks a little something. You know, sometimes proper speech is a hindrance. While accurate, perhaps, 
even concise. Sometimes proper speech and a good usage of the English language lacks the nuance that common language and colloquialisms express. It is why Jesus spent most of his time speaking Aramaic instead of Greek or Hebrew because it was just the common folks way of talking. Common language gives just the right kind of feeling where you can say a whole lot in a few words and yet it relays so much to each of you and I. So I think I know what I should call it. It ain't over. It ain't over. Pray with me, will you? Jesus, I love you this morning. I thank you for all of your goodness, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that you still have the final say. You still have the final say, Lord. I give you glory and honor. I know that your word is powerful. I ask that you would just anoint my lips to speak and minister in this place today, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Jesus name you may be seated Yogi Berra was a hall of fame catcher for the New York Yankees and Yogi is not only the inspiration for the bear cartoon but he's the most famous catcher of all times and figuring in the fact that the man won 10 World Series rings playing as a catcher for the Yankees, 10 rings. And then when he was done playing, he won another three rings as a coach and manager. Uh, it, it's pretty safe to say he's the greatest catcher of all times. 13 rings. I don't know anybody that has more than 13 series rings. 13 he had. And as great of a catcher and a player as he was, Yogi Berra was known for something other than baseball. He was known for what they simply called yogiisms. <clears throat> it was past a colloquialism, you know, just a saying amongst the people. You know, just a common saying. And it became his own form of speech. Yogiisms. He'd say something like, and these are actual direct quotes, no one goes there anymore. It's too crowded. You got to think about it for a second. Complaining about the sun in his eyes at Yankee Stadium, he said it gets late early out there. He warned others, never answer an anonymous letter. When talking about purchases, he said, why buy good luggage? You only use it when you travel. Facing the despair of the nation, Yogi famously said, the future ain't what it used to be. When giving directions, he said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. 
he was so known for, there's books just filled with his quotes and his kids would be sitting at the dinner table with him and said, you did it again, dad. He wasn't even trying. He just said these things. And I could spend the whole afternoon reading Yogi Bear quotes. There is dispute over who first said the next one. Many assume it was Yogi. Others say it was a sports writer named Cook who was inspired by Yogi. And the saying seems to make little sense, but it's used around the nation and has found its way into our culture simply saying it ain't over until the fat lady sings. Now that, that one takes some pondering. Who is this large lady? Why is she singing? And why does her voice dictate when something's over? But it appears it was a reference to the opera. You know, the opera isn't over yet until the big lady walks out and does her solo. But we do know Yogi said the next one for sure, and it is his most famous saying of all. Yogi simply said, it ain't over till it's over. It ain't over till it's over. Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you know what that means this morning? Can you translate it down from the King James Jacobean English and bring it into something a simple Midwestern can understand? What that means is it ain't over until Jesus says it's over. I don't know what she came into this place carrying today and I don't know what question mark hangs over the new year for you but I came in here today to let somebody know it ain't over. It ain't over. He's a religious man. He's a pastor. The scripture calls it a ruler of the synagogue. It's just basically a Jewish pastor over a Jewish church. Jairus' little daughter is sick. And the doctor says it's going to be any moment that she slips from this world into the next. Most would think he'd be glued to her side. But instead of staying there holding her hand as she slips out of this world into the next, Jarius stands up and runs out of the house. He runs throughout the town asking the same question over and over again. Has anybody seen Jesus? Does anybody know where the carpenter is? Jesus from Nazareth. Have you seen him? Have you heard where he is today? And slowly... Oh, so terribly slowly, he begins to piece together a location of where Jesus might be. And so running along the seaside, again, he asked the question over and over, have you seen the master? Do you know where Jesus is? Finally, someone points down the shoreline. And Jarius' heart leaps in his chest as he sees a large crowd gathered on the beach. And he knows wherever Jesus is, that's where the people are going to be. So he picks up speed and he runs with new, renewed vigor. 
and he arrives just as Jesus is stepping out of the boat and onto the shore. And there, Jairus dives at Jesus' feet, sobbing uncontrollably. My little girl is sick. She's about to die. Please come heal her. What relief as Jesus agrees to come to Jairus' house. But the progress is slow. Far too slow. He's never alone. The crowd's always with the Lord. And they're pushing and they're shoving and everyone's yelling their needs and their prayer requests. And Jairus is pushing and shoving, trying to make a hole while the 12 apostles are acting as bodyguards. But nothing seems to help. Everybody's grabbing Jesus. Everybody's touching him. Everybody's talking to him. And while Jairus' daughter is dying, the life rapidly leaving her body, Jesus stops. Can you believe it? He stops. And he starts asking the crowd, who touched me? Did you touch me? Who touched me? Jairus wants to say something. But he watches as this woman in tattered clothes that you could tell at one time were very beautiful and costly. But now you can see the patches where they've been mended over and over again. The colors faded from being washed so many times. And this thin, frail, sickly looking woman steps forward and says, Master, it was me. I've been sick for 12 years. I spent everything I own on doctors and I only got sicker. But, but I knew that if I could just touch the hem of your coat, I knew I would be all right. You would heal me. And Jairus' heart, it burst with hope. And faith rises as Jesus says, Woman, thy faith has made you whole. And Jairus watches with his own eyes as right before him that woman's face begins to fill out. He watches as she isn't frail and sickly anymore. Her color returns. She's not just healed. She's restored. She's made whole. You couldn't tell that she'd ever been sick. And Jairus is so filled with joy as he realizes if Jesus did that for her, he can do it for my daughter. Hope. There's nothing like hope bursting in a heart. It just begins to swell inside of him. My son has a, no a habit that annoys me. Stand up. No matter how many times I tell this fine young man, it drives me crazy. It's a pet peeve. I hate it. He walks up and... 
aggressive taps. When I'm deep in thought or conversation. And it's not like gentle nudges. It's Maybe it's from reading the story. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> Jairus is there. The hope is building. He watched this woman transform before his, various, his very eyes. He saw it happen. And then the dreaded thing happens. The tap on the shoulder. And like a needle in a balloon. All the hope leaves, all the joy leaves, all the peace leaves, all the enthusiasm of a new beginning leaves as he hears the words, Jairus, don't bother the master anymore. She's dead. This guy didn't learn how to deliver bad news. He didn't make the compliment sandwich. We build him up, tear him down, build him up again. He just, she's dead. Let Jesus do something more important. Hopes so high dashed into the cold ground of reality. Sorrow washes over him. Like the song says, when sorrows billow. When sorrows like sea billows roll. You know what that means? Just the nonstop crashing wave after wave after wave. Thought after thought of what he's just lost. She's dead and it's over. But Jesus. Oh, I said, but Jesus. But Jesus says, he looks at Jairus and he doesn't care what the other guy said. He said, don't be afraid. Only believe. The devil said it was over. The doctor said it was over. Fear said it was over. The family said it was over. Friends said it was over. Reality and facts and evidence all said it was over. But Jesus said, don't worry, Jairus. It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. And together they walk to Jairus' house. You need to understand there are some principles that we gloss over in the scripture between Jesus speaking hope and speaking faith. There's a long walk ahead. Surrounded by doubters. Let me take borrow his arm for a minute there. I know you're on honeymoon, so. And they're walking. Oh, Jesus! And they're, and they're sobbing and they're crying. <laughs> I should have been an actor. All the way to the house. And then the more come, oh, Jerry's, I heard the news. I'm so sorry, Jerry's. Jesus doesn't say anything, He's already spoken. 
But between his word and the miracle, there's a journey called faith. Jesus is with me. Oh, no, I haven't heard anything in a few moments. Yeah, there's a lot of people being negative all around me. But I've got Jesus on my side. And I'm walking with the word. And I know if he said it's not over, then guess what? It ain't over yet. They walk in the house and there's the wails and the cries and the sobs. Oh, it's a distinct sound. It's a distinct sound. There's no other sound like it. There's a mother holding a lifeless body of her baby girl. Uncles and aunts and grandparents. Everybody sobbing, holding one another, consoling one another. And Jesus walks in, and now he talks. You know, I want Jesus the whole journey. I want the, I, I, I'm, I'm needy. I want Jesus the whole step. You know, he just told me it's going to be all right. But when I take the next step, I want Jesus to say, I told you it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Oh, no, don't give up. Yep, there's a little ways. And this person comes up, oh, so sorry. You know, don't listen to them. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I'm, I'm with you. We're almost there. A few more minutes. That's what I want. But that's not how God operates. God gives us a word, and then he expects us to walk by faith, not by sight, and not by a constant nudging. He just expects us to step out on his word and say, no, it doesn't matter what my eyes say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Jesus said it's going to be all right. And so it's not over yet. Jesus walks in and now he talks. What's all the crying about? She's just sleeping, people. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. Everyone begins to laugh. The doctor begins to mock. This man's crazy. The girl's dead. But Jesus just simply walks over. Takes the little girl's hand. And again, speaks in the common language. It sounds fancy to us, but it was as homespun as could be. He just looks at her and said, Talithi Kumar. You know what that means? Sleepy girl, I told you to get up. Sleepy girl, I'm telling you, get up. And he grabs her by the hand. And that little girl's eyes open and joy burst back into Jarius's heart because it is not over. It's not finished. There's no conclusion. It ain't over until Jesus says it's over. But another day, 
and another late Jesus. He always seems late, doesn't he? Nathaniel A. Urshan was the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church for decades. And he was so famous for being late to meetings and the services, they introduced him as the late N.A. Urshan. When I was a student at Indiana Bible College, I don't remember seeing a single class that Brother Mooney, when he was my instructor, came to on time. He was always late. And he'd start teaching as he walked in the back door. Maybe they were just trying to be like Jesus. Because it seems like Jesus was always late. And after all, it always seems like he's kind of late to me too. But you understand something? He's always right on time. I like him to show up 15 to 20 minutes before his appointment. After all, that's what the doctor expects of me. Give me a little time to fill out the new paperwork. Have they updated your insurance card, Jesus? Has your address changed, Jesus? Give us a little time to talk about it. Do you need any refills? I want him to show up early. But Jesus shows up when it's just the right moment. And here we find Jesus, and it's another miracle that he seems to be late to. See, the Bible tells us Jesus loved this specific family. Doesn't mean he didn't love anybody else. It just meant they really held a special place in his heart. He loved them. Their house was like his own house. When he walked in, he was comfortable. They knew where he liked to sit. They knew what he liked to eat. It was a place of refuge for the master. Three siblings, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And word comes to Jesus. Lazarus, you know the one that you love, Lazarus. Lazarus, your BFF, Lazarus. Your buddy, your pal, your amigo. That Lazarus. He's sick. He's really sick. And your friends are asking you to come. But Jesus keeps on going about his business. He doesn't come right away. He waits several days. And then finally he looks at the 12. He says, well, boys, we better go. Lazarus is asleep. And I need to go wake him up. I say, oh, master, he's sleeping. That's good. That means he's getting better. He said, he's dead. Let's go. One of them said, but Lord, if we go back there, there's a whole group waiting to stone you. He said, let's go. How do you argue with Jesus? It's like he's God or something. Thomas says, well, you know, Thomas gets a bad rap. Thomas looked at the rest of them and said, well, 
Let's go die with him. He doesn't have a lot of faith. He's called down in Thomas for a reason, but he's brave. <laughs> he's brave. He's going to die. We're all going to die. But let's do it together. Jesus comes in the town and someone tells Martha, said, Martha, he's, he's almost here. And she runs out to meet him. And this is her opening statement. If you'd been here, my brother would still be alive. Jesus said, oh, your brother's going to rise again. He's going to rise again. She said, oh, yes, Lord, I know. At the, at the last day, We'll all be resurrected. Jesus just looks at her. And, and you can almost hear the tone. I am the resurrection and the life. And he keeps on walking. Mary comes out. She said, if you've been here, my brother would still be alive. Scripture says Jesus groaned. Someone says, I, he raised, we've seen him he open blind eyes. We've seen him do great miracles. Surely he could have healed this man. And it says again, and he groaned. A disgusted, frustrated groan. It keeps on until Jesus begins to weep. There's so little faith. Finally he says, take me to him. And, and someone says, look, he's crying. He loves him so much. And sisters are going, Lord, don't, don't open it. Don't open it. Don't, don't do that. You, you know the desert. Hot. Body. He keeps saying, open it. But Lord, they're trying to be delicate. Lord, he stinks. His body's broken down. Don't open it. And yet Jesus says, open it up. Do you understand tradition said three days for a person to be dead? Fourth day, the spirit is gone. It's a desert climate. Scientific evidence tells us there's decay. The doctors tell us, all medical reasoning tells us he's gone. There is no logic. It's going to be a lot of work to open up that tomb. It's going to cause trauma. It's going to make people uncomfortable. It's going to be disheartening. It's going to break open fresh wounds. Everything says don't do it. Don't pick that scab. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't say that. It's over. Just accept it. But it ain't over. Until Jesus says it's over. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. And when they roll away the stone, Jesus just says, Lazarus, come forth. 
He's dressed in grave clothes. You know what that means? He's been mummied. He's wrapped up. And he comes hopping out. Maybe waddling like this. Baby steps. Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Everything said it was over, but it's not over until Jesus says it's over. You know, what I like about this book is it's filled with people who are more thick-headed than I am. And that takes quite an effort because there's times I'm astonished at my own thick-headedness. Why wear a helmet when you have a skull four inches deep? Sometimes it feels like that's how much space there is to penetrate, to get to my brain. But when I read that book, I find people that seem to have a harder time grasping God than I do. And he keeps telling them, boys, I got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die, but in three days I'll come back. And the day's coming and it's getting close. I'm going somewhere. You can't go with me. But don't worry. I'm not going to leave you without any comfort. I'm coming back to you. And he tells them over and over and over again, somebody here is going to betray me. I'm going to be crucified. And they all say, who's going to be? He said, the guy I give the piece of bread to. And he dips a piece of bread and he hands it to Judas. And they say, who could it be? He looks at Judas and says, go do what you got to do. And Judas stands up and walks, and they go, who could it be? What's going to go on? He literally just told them. said, boys, tonight everybody is going to deny me. Peter said, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to do it. Mm-mm, not me, Lord. Pete, you're going to do it three times. But when you're done... Don't worry, I prayed for you. Satan wanted to have you, but I prayed for you. Don't ever underestimate the power of your prayer, by the way. (laughs) Satan wants you. He wants to cut you down like a stalk of wheat, but I prayed for you. And it's going to be all right. And when you repent, you come back and you strengthen your buddies. I'm coming back. And they watch in shock and horror as he dies. He's hung on the cross. He dies. They weep and they sob as they lay him in the tomb. They roll the stone and there's Peter and he's sobbing. And all looking to Peter's, what do we do? Pete, what do we do? I'm going fishing. It's over, boys. I'm going fishing. You see, hell is throwing a literal party. Hell is celebrating. Lucifer thinks the throne might finally be his. Hell is having streamers. They're opening champagne. They're toasting one another. They're celebrating. The religious leaders are like, we finished that. It's done. Let's get the rest of them and we're going to be done with this once and for all. They're all hiding in a room. The door is locked. They're scared. They don't know what to do. Everything says 
it's over. But it's not over. The evidence, they saw it with their own eyes. But it's not over. All their hopes are dashed. But it's not over. They're hunted and afraid. But it's not over. Everything seems to be gone. But it's not over. Because on the third day, Jesus stepped out alive. And if that wasn't enough, 50 days later, 47 to be precise, Jesus blows into an upper room and it's the power of his spirit. It says it came like a rushing mighty wind. Oh, and all that presence they felt those days out in the boat as they listened to him teach. Oh, what it felt like to eat the fish in the loaves. What it was like to watch the, the crippled run and the blind see and to see dead people raised. But all those exciting moments with Jesus, they don't compare to what's happening now because it isn't over till Jesus says it's over and Jesus walks into that room in the form of the Holy Spirit and they are transformed and they're not scared anymore and they're not weak anymore. They're new creatures. Jesus comes in. It's not over. I don't know. I don't know what the enemy whispers to you. But he seems to have been talking to a lot of folks of late. I've been talking to people in other places. A barrage, if you will. The enemy's attempt at shock and awe. Berating, harassing. I don't know What tattered promise lies dead as the enemy taps you on the shoulder? I don't know how long it's been since you've had a word from God walking towards your dead promise. But I do know this. It ain't over. It's not over until Jesus says it's over. It's not over when the lawyer says it's done. It's not over when the politician says it's done. It's not over when the doctor says it's done. It's not over until Jesus says it's over. It's not over yet. Say, but it's impossible. Good. That's how he likes it. But everybody says it's over. Yeah, they don't matter. Only he matters. It ain't over. It's not over for your marriage. It's not over for your family. It's not over for your miracle. It's not over for your promise. It's not over yet. 
Jesus is still alive. And it ain't over until he says it's over. Stand with me if you would. I want you to lift your hands and lift your voices across this place with me. Jesus, I love you. Come on, lift your voice with me. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God, la la monde, I shall all over to the bay. I shall la 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 monde, la la mocote. I shall all over to the bay. I shall la la monde, the bay. I shall la la monde, la la monde. I shall la la monde, la la monde. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, why don't you lift your voice to him? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, yeah, come on, Lord, 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 Elisha was given a promise that if he did the right thing, he stayed with his master, Elijah. If he kept doing the right thing, kept putting the right foot forward, just stepping one step of faith after another, if he stayed there till the end, he would get what he asked for, a double anointing of what Elijah had. And Elisha leads a life so filled with the miraculous. But he gets sick and he dies. There's no flaming chariot. There's no horses of fire. He just gets sick and he dies. One miracle short of the promise. And it would appear that the word lied. It would appear that God didn't fully keep his promise. As they lay the body in a tomb. And they walk away. Don't know how much time went by, but it had to be a while. Because the body's gone, it's just bones now. Nothing else is left, just the bones. And one day, some others running from the enemy. One of the three is struck down. And so the buddies grab the body of their friend and so uncaringly just roll it down a hill trying to throw the enemy off their tracks 
And there goes the corpse just rolling down a hill and into a cave. And in the darkness, that body rolls up against the dead, dried up bones of the prophet. All the evidence said the promise was gone. You could walk up and see it with your own eyes. It had not happened. There's no way for it to happen. But it ain't over. Until he says it's over. Because even those dead bones contained the unfailing promises of God and when that dead body touched those bones he gasped and stood up alive again double 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 just like God had promised just like care if nobody else hears it. There's somebody here. You need to hear the words. It ain't over. The enemy's whispering, but it's not over. 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 It is not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over until my Jesus says it's over. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voices with me. Jeez.